0: Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? I know that's that's not like a really exciting video to come out of, like, oh, yeah, it's awesome. That's actually kind of creepy. Anyways, uh, (laughs) some of that, somebody has like some train nightmare or something going on in your mind right now. I'm sorry about that. But uh, anyways, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're glad you're with us today as we're in this series called Junk in the Trunk. And uh, we're talking about some of the things that we've been carrying around in our lives. And this week we're diving in and we're talking about some emotional baggage that I believe a lot of us carry in our lives. And, and as we do today, what my goal is, and is, is we're going to allow the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to allow the power of God to silence some of the lives that we've been l- believing in our life. And what hopefully is going to happen is we're going to hear some truth out of god's word and that truth is going to uh transition those lies out of our life and we're going to start to dive into his truth and believe the truth That God has for us, because God's truth is very, very present for our lives. And and in this series, I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to be raw. I'm going to be authentic, beyond what I normally am. And I'm normally pretty raw and authentic. But I'm just going to go to another level. Is that okay with everybody? If we just kind of go to another level here, Uh, because here's the deal: I don't I don't want us to walk around living with all this junk in our lives. And I know that if I'm not willing to get honest, maybe maybe some of you all won't get honest. And so. two weeks ago we had an incredible weekend. Anybody remember what two weeks ago was? What was that day? It's kind of an important Easter. Easter, there was, there's a lot of people here, not quite as many as there are. Well, actually there's a lot more people than what there are right now. Uh, we're kind of wondering where they all go after Easter, but, uh, Easter was here. Incredible, incredible weekend. Um, we, we saw over 52 people give their lives to Christ, um, on Easter. That's an incredible thing. I mean, that's 52 lives that, that we have, that we know made a decision. There's many more hands that were raised in that, but we know that for a fact that those 52 people made a profession for the very first time that I'm gonna make Jesus Christ my Lord. Incredible day. Like, it was a day that, like, There's just 52 reasons why there should be so much joy, so much celebration, because those were 52 lives that were grasped from the gates of hell and brought into eternity with Jesus. Like, they found what they've always been looking for, and it's so easy to just celebrate that. It would have been so easy to celebrate that. That's an easy thing to celebrate. The problem was is that I got an opportunity to talk to a lot of those people after services, incredible stories of what was happening, but... With that, there was also one kind of negative conversation that happened. Um, you know, there are 52 great conversations and, and changed lives. And then there's one person that came up to me afterwards and, uh, and they said, you know what, that, that was great today. Except um, you, you, you didn't preach about Jesus and the resurrection today. Like you did it wrong. And I was like, really? Because I thought fifty-two people gave their lives to Jesus today. And so, and they started, and they started kind of attacking um, some of our methodology and some of the ways we do things. We're not very traditional. We're not going to do the traditional Easter message. We're gonna, we're gonna kind of give it a new spin and a new look because we're in a new generation. We don't need just need to read; we can experience all that God has for us. And so, this person started attacking my personal character and all these things and and I had 52 reasons why I should be excited about what happened but you know what I went home with the one negative the one negative and I'm probably not the only person that goes through life like that. We can have so many incredible things happen, but it's the one bad thing that we remember that kind of defines everything that happens around us in that moment. And for some reason, I, I, can in, I internalize that stuff way more than I do the good stuff. Anybody with me on that? Anybody kind of feel me on that? Like most of us probably do that. We can have all this incredible stuff happen in our life. One bad thing, a hundred good things, all we're going to think about, all we're going to remember is the one bad thing. And so my question for all of us today, myself included, is, is, is what emotional doors have you left open in your life? What emotional doors have you allowed to stay open in your life? What are some of the voices That are still resounding inside of you today. And I believe that today, by the power of God, uh, we're going to learn how to close those doors just like we saw in that video. We're going to learn how to shut those doors and we're going to open ourselves up to the only door that matters. And that's the door to life and what God says about us that we're going to learn how to battle the negativity of life. We're going to learn how to battle the emotional baggage that so often wants to attach itself to us. And we're going to learn how to break free and we're going to learn how to live free. But the problem is, a lot of us aren't aware of some some key phrases that we kind of live by without really even knowing it. And so today we're going to look at some statements that maybe you can identify with that that you might find yourself in so you can identify what doors have you left open in your life and and the first one is this if you're taking notes Uh, A lot of us uh, have heard the statement, you don't fit in, or you don't belong here, or this isn't uh, a place where you're one of us. And a lot of us have experienced that in life where we feel like we're in this place where we don't fit in. And because we don't fit in, what we become is we become conformers to that situation. We start conforming to try to fit in in life. And it's very easy for us to become a conformer. It's very easy for us to try to get our actions to align up with the perceived expectations of other people, isn't it? I mean, look at society today. Everywhere you look, people are starting to look more and more the same. We all wear the same kind of clothes. We all dress the same kind of way. We're trying to all conform, and we're not the only ones. I mean, this has happened all throughout history. In fact, in the Old Testament, there was a guy named Saul who was the king of Israel, and and he realized that that he was starting to conform. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, it says this. It says, he said, I have sinned. I've violated the Lord's command. And he's like, well, how did he do that? It says, I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them. In other words, I felt these massive expectations to conform to a certain thing, and so therefore I did. I conformed to be what they wanted me to be, and I know exactly what that's like. I, I, I grew up in kind of an interesting era in high school. If, if I grew up, I'm a product of the 90s. Any product of the 90s kids out there? Maybe, like three of us. Okay, Awesome. I don't know what y'all were doing. So uh, <laughs> I'm a product of the 90s. I remember being in high school, and and if you were going to fit in in high school, you had to wear certain clothes. In my generation, you had to wear the Tommy Hilfiger shirts. Come on, anybody remember some Tommy Hilfiger? When Tommy Hilfiger, the, the, a flag, you know, or some polo, anybody, big polo. Calvin Klein was still popular and cool back then. Now, you can only wear that stuff if your family could afford it. And if your family couldn't afford it, you wore some knockoff brands. Anybody remember the knockoff? Off France, Knights of the Round Table. Come on now, who had some Knights of the Round Table? You were sporting it. Come on, don't we'll pray for you after service? I promise there'll be deliverance. I was one of those guys actually in, in the beginning of high school. My family was so poor, we couldn't even afford the Knights of the Columbus knockoff of Tommy stuff and polo stuff. It was sad. And so because my mom and my dad wanted me to be able to fit in, my mom thought it would be a good idea to go buy some Hanes shirts and embroider like Calvin Klein on them. Seriously, I'm, this is no lie. Straight up embroidered Calvin Klein ac- across them. So I'm rolling into school thinking I got Calvin Klein on. And I'm, I'm sporting, I'm like, what's up? I got some Calvin, bro. Calvin. You know, it was like, it was all that. I didn't have the Calvin Klein jeans. We couldn't afford those. But I had some, some T-shirts. And I, I remember I had this green sweatshirt that I would wear all the time. And, and what happened is, is I was dating this girl and she decided to borrow my green Calvin Klein sweatshirt. The only problem was is that it said Hanes on the inside. You want to not fit in any longer? Have your girlfriend wear your Calvin Klein sweatshirt that says Hanes on the inside. And she went and blasted it all over school. It was terrible. I know. Come on. Oh, Like I've been in counseling ever since. Like that's terrible. Why? Because my parents wanted me to be able to fit in with everybody else. They didn't want me to be an outsider. They wanted me to be able to fit in. And I was constantly hearing this message that I didn't fit in. And I think a lot of us have heard that same message, like you don't fit in. Maybe morally you've been hurt hearing that message like you need to conform and, and so what happens is a lot of people get into a relationship and they start they start conforming they start giving themselves away to other people because they need to be in that relationship and they feel like that that's the only way they're going to be loved and so they start to conform and do things that they would never do normally because they want somebody to accept them they want somebody to love them May there, maybe others of us especially grown-ups the way that we conform a lot is we go into massive amounts of debt Why? Because we want to have the stuff that everybody else has so we can impress those people that we don't even really like. But we're out there and we're constantly trying to get a little bit more, trying to achieve a little bit more. Why? Because we want to conform. And if we were were honest, how many of y'all would say like, man, you know what? I've kind of given into that at times where I've tried to conform. Come on, this is church. It's okay. You can raise your hand. It's not going to hurt you. Yeah, a lot of us. A lot of us have conformed. Maybe others of us, maybe, maybe you've heard this negative voice in your life. And, and this is a voice that, that haunts me a lot. It's, uh, it says no matter what you do, no matter who you are, you just are not good enough. You don't have what it takes. You're never going to measure up. And, and if you've ever battled not being good enough, then you've probably gotten to this place where you've gotten into this mode where you feel like you're a performer. When you feel like, man, you just aren't good enough. You feel like, man, I've just got to perform. Because we're constantly seeking the approval of other people in life. We're constantly looking at that. Uh, a powerful example of that is in Luke chapter thir- 10, verse 38. And Jesus and Martha were together. And they Jesus went over to her house and he, and he said this. He said, Martha opened her home to Jesus. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, what you'll find out later is what, you know, Jesus really wanted them to do. And it goes on to say this in, in verse 40, it says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, if you're reading between the lines there, you can kind of see what was going on. And Mar- Martha was, was constantly, or, uh, Martha was constantly looking and going, man, Jesus is coming to my house, man. i got to get the house ready. i got to make sure everything's clean. i got to make sure all the kids' toys are put away. i got to make sure everything's spick and span, that the hors d'oeuvres are ready to go. And, and she's going, and she's thinking, man, if everything is perfect, then maybe, just maybe, Jesus will accept me. I've got to perform. And you see this mentality starting to come out. And a lot of us, we felt this way in life, and so you work really, really hard to try to gain that acceptance. for a lot of us, it starts at a young age. We think, man, if I just make good grades, then my parents will accept me. They'll be proud of me. And so a B is like an F because we're supposed to have A's. And then it moves on as we get older to our work life where we're constantly performing. We're trying to make sure that our boss is happy or that our company's happy, and we're constantly going, am I measuring up in those areas? And then for some of us, it's, man, I want to be the perfect parent or I want to be the best parent. And, and for a lot of people, especially guys, they're like, man, I want to be the best husband and I want to be the best provider. And what they end up doing is they end up working their entire life, not realizing that the best thing that they could provide is a relationship with their family. Because we're constantly performing. And for me, I, I know what this is like. I'm, I, Like, I fall so much into this category in my life. And, and the thing that I hate more than anything else is, is when I'm trying to be perfect is when I get embarrassed. In fact, I can remember uh, quite a few years ago, Shayla and I, were, we were driving on our way home. And uh, and I don't remember what we had been doing, but we were, we were getting close to our house. And my, my stomach was starting to get a little queasy. Anybody had one of those moments where you're in the car and your stomach's getting a little queasy? And it seems like the closer you get to ha- your house, the worse it gets. Anybody else experienced that before? Like it's the worst thing in the world, and so I'm like, man, I'm not, Shay, I'm not really feeling so well. Things aren't going real good right in here, and uh, and she's like, oh really? And she's like, I'll speed up a little bit, and so we're getting close to our house, and like your stomach's not doing well, so the cheek, butt cheeks are starting to tighten up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) some of y'all know where this is going, and so uh, I told you we're getting more personal than we ever have before, and so. and so, I, like, we're going, and I'm like, man, it's no, just not doing well. We're like a mile from our house. And so she speeds up, and there's this pothole on our road. And she hits it, and and it's like, and, and, and I go, ooh, you know, I like. <laughs> and she looks over me, and she goes, you just crapped your pants, didn't you? <laughs> and, and honestly, I'm not really sure at that moment, you know. <laughs> it's like. Did it stay in? <laughs> did I just did I just prairie dog? You know, kind of poke out and come back out. I, I don't know. TMI TMI. Got to be honest here. It's church, and I'm like, no, no. I, like I'm I'm trying to perform. No, I'm good, Shay. I'm good. I'm wearing khaki pants, and uh, and so we get out of the car, and there's like this big brown spot right here. <laughs> Man, I cried in my pants. <laughs> it's not that funny. It wasn't funny. <laughs> like I'm always trying to impress my wife. I didn't impress her very much that day. <laughs> <And> I still. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about the. I ended up throwing those pants away. I was like, you like, you just don't ever want to relive that memory. You know, it's just like. Never wearing those khakis again. They're a darker color now, uh, but I can I can still remember in my mind thinking, "Man, TJ, you're such a failure. You're such a screw up. You're just not good enough. You you couldn't even hold it till you got home. <laughs> like that's a lot of junk in the trunk right there. A <laughs> lot of junk in the trunk." But how many of us, if we were honest, would say, you know what, I, I a lot of times I, I, I'm performing in life. I'm trying to, I'm trying to perform. I'm trying to make sure that everybody sees me as perfect, that they see that I got it all together, like that I don't make any mistakes. Some of us have maybe a third voice that we have going on in our life where this voice is constantly coming in and it's telling us you're not worthy. You're not worthy to be loved. You're not worthy to be accepted. You know, uh and, and a lot of us we, we feel that way because we've we've come from broken households or maybe you've you've been one of your parents has left and abandoned you. And a lot of us go through these mentalities where we where we have this and we hear this voice of saying, We're not worthy, what happens is we end up be being a clinger in life. Not a cling on, but a clinger. It's a totally different thing. And uh Jesus was dialogue dialoguing with a woman that I would probably consider a clinger in John chapter four, verse seventeen. He said You are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man that you now have is not your husband. And it's very obvious in the scripture that this woman was trying to find meaning, trying to find value, trying to find worth and significance in relationships. She was clinging to those things when the only way she was ever going to find that was in a relationship with God. She was looking for validation from people when the only validation she really ever needed in her life was from Jesus and, and, and what I see so many times is some of the most wonderful, God-fearing, loving women that because there's something missing there, they're constantly going and picking out the deadbeat guys and giving them chance after chance. Or there's people that are out there, they're going missionary dating, which means they're going and finding people that don't follow Jesus and they think, I'm going to change them. Like, I'll change them. Like, I'm so good. Like, I'm, and and you just grab a hold of them and you think your goodness is going to rub off. Some of y'all are like, well, how do you know if you're a clinger? Listen, if you've had three or more restraining orders against you, you're probably a clinger. Good indication. Uh good indication if you're a clinger If is if you're one of those people that you get on a phone call, you have a 10-minute conversation, it ends fine, and you call them back and you go, hey, is everything okay? Like, I thought I heard something a little weird in your voice. Like, I just want to make sure we're okay. You're probably a clinger trying to cling on in that thing, making sure everything's okay. And I'm sure that there's many of us that feel like, yeah, like I'm trying to cling on to things because I'm trying to find my worth and my value in those relationships. And what we want to do today is we just want to close those doors. We want to close those doors and we, want to, we don't want to trust and we don't want to believe who other people say we are. We want to trust and we want to believe who God says we are because in Christ, God has got some incredible things for you and I. And so I want to give you three things today that I believe God would say to you so that we can get rid of some emotional baggage in life, so that we can move forward, so that we can get rid of some of this emotional junk that we've been holding on to, and some of these mentalities and some of these some of these ideas in our life. And the first one is this: in Christ, you need to understand that you are forgiven. In Christ, you are forgiven. Second Corinthians 5 17 says this: Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. And the new has come. It says in Christ you're a new creation. Listen, the way you used to be, the old filth, the old ways of living, all the old lifestyle, none of that matters to God. When you come to him, he he washes that stuff as far as the east is from the west. He says you're forgiven and you can walk around and you can be free. The problem is, is for so many people, Christ has forgiven you but you have yet to forgive yourself. Come on, let's be honest. A lot of us were. It's easy to for, for, to accept the forgiveness, but it's hard to forgive what we know that we did. In fact, I remember when I graduated high school, um, I, my parents were were really big in, in a company. They they were going to New Orleans for a huge awards banquet. Like ten thousand people were showing up to this, and it was a pretty common knowledge that they were going to be winning this huge award. It was like the the. The Person of the Year for their company, and so it's a big deal. And so they decided to take me to New Orleans, which is a bad idea for an 18-year-old who kind of has an alcohol problem in life. And so I went to New Orleans. We're celebrating. Uh, my parents are—we are pretty 99.9% sure they're getting the award tomorrow during the day. And so the night before, myself and some of their, the people that work for them and their kids, we decided that we're going to go hit Bourbon Street up. And, uh, and so I borrow another kid's ID. He's 350 pounds, and I borrow his school ID, and we go to town. Uh, apparently, New Orleans doesn't care. And so, man, craziest night of my life. In fact, I, I ended up waking up in a gutter uh, at one point, and then I ended up waking up in a strange hotel room with people I've never met before. Uh, had all kinds of alcohol poisoning. It's about two o'clock in the afternoon the next day after a, a crazy night of partying. And I remember showing up and if you've ever been hung over in your life, you look like death came over you two or three times. And I remember I'm rushing, I'm like, I'm still dressed from the night before. So I smell like smoky bars. And I've got like, I just I'm nasty. Nasty. That's all I can say. It was just nasty, and so I show up at this convention center, and and as soon as I walk in, it's like everybody knows, like, oh, that's what he was wearing last night, and uh, and like death is like literally. I walked up to my parents and I gave my mom a hug, and she's like, "Good Lord, where have you been?" Like, I still have puke on my shirt and stuff, uh, and and I'm just trying to hide it underneath a, a sport coat, and I remember seeing the most disappointed look I've ever seen on my parents' face in my entire life. Because not only did I disappoint them, but every person there knew them, they had a great name, they had a great reputation, and I made them look terrible. And I remember my mom and my stepdad just going, just go back to the hotel room, we don't even want to see you. And making the walk of shame back to the hotel and when they got home that night and they had gotten their awards, I remember going in there and just saying, man, I'm so sorry. So sorry I shamed you. I'm so sorry I embarrassed you in front of all of your colleagues, in front of all of the people that are important in your life. And because my parents love me, they're like, man, we forgive you. In fact, I don't, I don't know to this day that they've ever mentioned it again. And for years, I walked around because I couldn't forgive myself. I had all this guilt. I had all this shame. Man, and it was weighing me down. And so many times in those moments, those voices come back You're unworthy. You're unlovable. You're unforgivable. You don't deserve any of this. What you need to understand is in Christ, you're forgiven. And if Christ can forget and forgive, it's time for you to forget and forgive yourself. It's time for you to move past this thing, not because you've earned it, but because Christ paid for it. And it's time for some of us to break free and ultimately realize the good that God is trying to do inside of every single one of us. In fact, in Ephesians 1, 7, it says, in Christ we have redemption. It says, it means the price has been paid through his blood. When he shed his blood on the cross, man, it was taken away. The forgiveness of our sins. And so in Christ, man, you're forgiven. Some of you need to hear that today. And then you need to forgive yourself. Second thing, in Christ, you are secure. In Christ, you're secure. Ephesians, 2 Corinthians says this, Now it is God who makes us both, you, b- both us and you stand firm in Christ. He has anointed us and he has set his seal of ownership. Listen to the security of this, this is so good. And he put his spirit... In our hearts, as a deposit, and this is what that deposit does. It says, guaranteeing us what is to come. Whenever you start to feel insecure in life, whenever you start to feel those feelings, those negative voices, you have to remember that you are secure, not because of who you are, but because of whose you are. Some of you need to hear that again. It's not because of who you are. It's not because of you're so good and great. It's because of whose you are. The ownership determines the value. And God says, you know what? You're valuable and you're secure because you're mine. That's a big deal. And you've been sealed by the spirit of God that he sent so you could have life and you could have it more abundantly. And we need to realize that we can go to God at any moment, at any time, and get right with him. It reminds me of when when I was uh, working for this ministry called Team Mania, we used to put on these huge events and we'd go into uh, big uh, convention centers and they would hand out different tags to people based on what tag you had would allow you to go different places in life. And so um, we did this one event called Day One. It was the largest youth gathering uh, um, in the 90s that had ever happened. And, and so we rented out the Pontiac Silverdome in Michigan and and we we're doing this huge event. We had all these great speakers and pastors and I happened to get this tag that said all access. And so what that meant is that I could go anywhere I wanted at this convention center and in this arena. I could walk into VIP suites. I could go backstage. I could go hang out in the speaker's lounge. Didn't matter where I was. I could go anywhere I wanted. Other people would try to go the same places I would. They'd be like uh-uh-uh. You don't have all access. And so I'd be walking around. I'd go sit down next to Andy Stanley and be like what's up? You know and some of y'all don't know who Andy Stanley is, and he wouldn't say anything to me, but I had the access. And some of us need to realize that when we have Christ, we have access to everything that he has for us. We have forgiveness. We have access to the very throne of God. It says in in Hebrews that we can therefore come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. We can go boldly before God any time we want because of the cross and what Jesus did. And that security should give us some hope that no matter what's going on in life, no matter what anybody else says, it doesn't matter because Christ says that I'm his. I'm his. And greater is he who lives in me than the testimony of the rest of the world. And so we need to realize who God says we are. And we need to believe who God says we are. Because in Christ we are forgiven. In Christ we are secure. And in Christ you are absolutely and completely free. You are absolutely and completely free. John 8.36 says this, So if the Son sets you free... You will be free indeed. When Jesus sets you free, you're free from your past, you're free from the hurt, you're free from all the negative talk that's been spoken to you, you're free from the voices that continue to come into your mind and tell you you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, and gosh darn it, people don't like you. You're free from the addictions that once the use hold you captive in your life, you're free from the, the baggage that has held you back and slowed you down from becoming the person that God wants you to be, because you're created to be free, and who... Jesus sets free is free indeed the other week I had 52 reasons to be free and go man God you're incredible you're awesome and I want let one negative thought ruin my day for a good two to three hours like I was ticked off man it was like it's like man this one person I just wanted to punch them in the face And it wasn't until that afternoon that I, I stopped. I stopped replaying. I just replayed the conversation. I'm one of those guys that I, I just replayed the conversation over and over and over again in my mind. And I'm like, oh, I should have told him this and I should have said that. And anybody else with me right there? You got like you got re- rewind and play like <laughs> like over and over again. It wasn't until I got to this point where I'm like, it doesn't matter what other people say. All that matters is what God says, and I don't need to defend my name, and I don't need to defend my reputation, and I don't need to defend my methodology. All that matters is is that God was glorified, and God's going to defend himself. He doesn't need me to do it. All he needs for me to be is to be forgiven, to be secure, and to be free. And so I got to let go of these negative words, and I got to walk, and I got to trust that he's in complete and total control of this situation. I don't need to control any longer. My control is what always jacks up my life. And I guess it's probably your control that jacks up your life. You're grabbing a hold of those and saying, like, I want to control these. I want to change these. You can't change those. What you can do is you can allow God to change For some of you today, it's time for you to to grab those negative voices and it's time for you to shut the door on them. It's time for you to to take a leap of faith and say, man, in Christ I am forgiven. In Christ I am secure and in Christ I am free. We take that leap of faith today? Will you let go of some of the things that have been holding you back so you can experience the fullness of what he has for you today? Let's pray. God, we just come before you today and I know it's so easy for us to be in the mentality where we're always trying to conform and where we're always trying to perform or where we become these clingers in life where we're we're trying to to make do with the screw-ups and the mess-ups and the insecurities that we have. And, And so many times we allow those things to define our lives and we run towards those things and run after those things. But today, God, I believe that you want to set us free. And there's some of us, man, we've been dealing with those for a long time. And, and the Bible says, and we read it, who the sun sets free is free indeed. When we find Christ, he brings freedom into our lives. As we allow him to, to start to change out the negative voices with his truth, he transforms us. And maybe there's some of you here today, you need a transformation. You need to silence the negative voices. How many of you would be honest to say, man, there's some negative voices that I need to be silenced. I need to give those things to God here today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, man, if you just slip your hand up real quick. I want to pray for you. Yeah, there's a lot of you. A lot of you. God, we just come before you. We thank you that your truth supersedes any lie that the enemy has ever told us. The, the devil is a, is a liar and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God, you have come to overcome and overcome this world. God, I thank you that you're going to overcome in our lives right now. That your truth, the truth of your word, that you have given us your spirit, that you live inside of us, that we don't have to live under the lies of what other people have said. We can believe what you said. And you said we are free. And so we grab hold of that today. And that in you we're forgiven. That in you we're secure. And that in you, man, we can experience the fullness of your freedom. God, thank you for what you're doing here in people's lives.